What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the preview edition for Chiefs versus Steelers, week two of the preseason. I'm hyped, and someone who's just as hyped as I am right now for game two of the preseason, where the starters are going to play half a game. Find him on Twitter at Chief Carolina. Matthew Lane. What's up, my man? I'm doing great. I had this awesome five-star review bit planned out where I was going to talk about <laughs> number five for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs don't have a number five on the roster, so my bit right. is kind of falling flat at this exact moment in time. So, guys, if you want to give us five-star reviews, I know this pitch isn't great. I apologize. It will be better next week. I swear to you guys on that one. However, we uh, are not joined by Craig Stout today. He is off hiking the wilderness. He is fighting a bear with his bare hands. He is probably slaying a tiger like the Chiefs did last weekend as we intro a tiger. A Bengal tiger? Is he, in, is he in Siberia? Like, do you think? Is there other tigers in the Colorado mountains? Kid, all I know is Craig is off the grid. He could be anywhere right now. <laughs> He could be. Uh, Matt McGloin was number five last year for the Chiefs during the preseason, by the way. <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know. I'm glad you know that. I I wish I didn't. I wish Matt McGloin didn't waste our time last year. But that's yeah, just I don't me. know what to do with that information. I know. There's, no, there's nothing to do with that information. Like, there was nothing to do with Matt McGloin after the preseason was over. I don't, He didn't even make the AAF, I don't think. So, uh, we got a... Uh, we got an adequate show for you today. Uh, me and Maddie are going alone, uh, getting you ready for the Chiefs-Steelers game. Uh, I'm just glad I didn't say Chiefs-Bengals because I probably would have because I'm just Listen, you know, kid, off my game Listen, kid, I'm going to need bit. you to hype up this podcast with just me and you a little bit more. Just because Craig isn't <laughs> here doesn't mean it's not a handsome cast. It doesn't mean yeah. there's one and a half great beards and a set of fantastic <laughs> hair going on right now, okay? I'm going to need you to keep who's your the, spirits high. Who's the half beard? Listen, I will let somebody else decide, but just let everyone know there's one and a half beards on the show right now. There is. There really is. Uh, I just wanted to know if you're just going to dunk on my attempt at facial hair. Uh, we're going to do the same thing, the same format we did last week, and we're going to be doing this throughout the season as well. We're going to give you three storylines to watch on both offense and defense, kind of discuss those. And we're going to start with the offensive side of the football again uh, because Patrick Mahomes is on that side of the ball. Uh, the first thing we kind of need to talk about here a little bit, Maddie, uh, I think we want to see Mecole and Darwin, Mecole Harbin and Darwin Thompson see if they can build off of the success that they had last week. No, absolutely. And I think we've kind of talked about it a little bit our last couple shows. Both those guys had great games. Nicole Hardman looked fantastic. He showed you exactly why he was drafted in the second round with that speed. I really want to see him kind of dial it in. I want to see him play more as a true receiver. I want to see him have more than just kind of two or three targets in the game, but I really want to see him beat guys off the line of scrimmage, use that speed as a receiver to not only get deep, but cause a little bit of separation without getting a free release. And by no means am I riding him off is not going to be able to do it at this point in time or ever. I know I've been negative about him in the past. We're turning over a new leaf. It's football season. <laughs> Just come here. Show it to me. Go beat Steven Nelson on a post route. Leave him in the dust. Oh. It's easy to do. People do it all the time. Have at it. Please, please beat Steven Nelson down the field like a drum. Uh, all you got to do is run past him. He's not going to turn his head. Now, don't uh, quit it, running, it, though. That, please don't quit running. 
no, don't stop running. But yeah, I I'm kind of here. Here's what I want. Here's what I want, Maddie. I want Miko Hardman to catch a touchdown pass, and then I want an, I want Miko to do the Kermit T celebration, kind of like kind of like Steve Nelson's gif after Sutton was fired. The only comment you got from a Chiefs player after Sutton was let go was that was that was that Kermit T gif from Steve Nelson. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I with Miko, I'm kind of the same way. I want to see. I want to see him. I want to see him stick a curl like Byron Pringle did last week. It's Man, not probably going to be nice the same. Route. It was. I'm it so really disappointed was. that the ball went to Marcus Kemp, who was wide open underneath that curl. Like I get it. He was open. He made like what nine yards on the play. But the highlight of that play was 100% Byron Pringle's curl route, which was phenomenal. He had a little arm great. shake to make the DB not even be able to hand on him. It was perfect. And that is why I really, really enjoy Byron Pringle. He's the best on vertical routes, but he runs fantastic routes. And according to the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs Twitter right now, he's the second fastest wide receiver on the team. <laughs> yeah. Saw that uh, Saw that tweet that they posted of him racing somebody in the parking lot. That was awesome. Uh, with Darwin, Maddie, what do you want to see from Darwin Thompson this week to see him maybe take another step towards, uh, towards getting ready for this season? I mean, like, I think the easy answer is to say I want to see his vision improve a little bit. He was kind of cutting back every single thing in that first preseason game, and it worked. And it will probably work against you know, in the regular season. However, that's not realistic. He didn't have the best vision coming in the NFL. To expect him from week to the very next week to all of a sudden get better at that seems a little lofty. I just want to see him play against pure second stringers and do the same thing. If he can do the exact same thing he was doing against the Bengals, but against the Steelers' second team, I'll feel fantastic. That means he can still be utilized in space as a receiver. He can be a change of pace back, and that contact balance is going to keep showing up. Don't put him in the second half, Chiefs. Please put him in during the first half and give him some work against the true second teamers. I think you nailed it, the vision. Uh, Let's just continue to see uh, growth or just just see what what steps he's taking to to, have success uh, in the run game. Uh, and if, you know, if his vision, you know, I, I think, you know, I think vision can be taught a little bit, but I think some guys are always going to have some struggles with it. I thought he was kind of inconsistent when he was at Utah state, but maybe he can continue to grow and progress, uh, in this offense. The other storyline, the second storyline I want to talk about, we saw Blake Bell. We saw Dion Yelder have some success, have some mistakes that they made in week one. Uh, I want to see if either of them is able to separate themselves from the other. Uh, I feel, and I think we've probably talked about this. I do think Blake Bell is probably in the run, in the in, in the lead here, Maddie. Yeah, I think they're both good blockers. I think Bell maybe has separated himself a little bit from Yelder as a blocker, not by much, but I think a little bit. And to me, he just looks like a better athlete. Both guys caught some passes. Both guys had at least one drop last week on imperfect throws. But they are what they are. They're good enough to be the Chiefs tight end too. Bell's upside is probably a little bit higher since he's still transitioning to a new position. But I do think this will be a good test for both of them because across from them is going to be linebacker one, Devin Bush, who had a phenomenal game last week. Woo! So I just want to see how they look against him because I have a feeling that Devin Bush athletically can smother either one of these guys, but I want to see if they get matched up against them, just who looks like they're most likely to beat him on any given play if the Steelers do go that route. I want to see Blake Bell moss him because that big, thick, 
long frame of uh, Blake Bell trying to moss five foot eight Devin Bush. I'm here for it. I heard uh, I was I heard Therese I think talk about like Devin Bush may not actually be five ten. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. No, Blake, dude, Devin Bush looked exceptional. My last favorite week. Devin Bush story that I've heard post draft was that when they were getting waxed by Ohio State there in the season finale against them, Devin Bush went over to Don Brown, told him, and I believe that's their coach's name, told them not to ream the defense. He said, no, don't do it. I'm going to do it. And apparently sat the whole defense down on the bench and just started screaming at them. And his, la- I mean, everybody knew it was his final game. But he just laid into the defense for playing so terribly against crossing route, crossing route, crossing route. And it was just is my favorite story to hear because that lets you know the kind of intensity he plays with. And he backs it up on the field. But this is also not a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, so we can move on. It's okay. It's it's something for it's something for Chiefs fans to appreciate because it is worth appreciating. Uh Devin Bush is going to be fun to watch, and I can't wait to see him uh line up against the Chiefs. I uh I Blake Bell is is kind of like there's like a there's like a subsection of Chiefs fans that is just like really into him. I'm noticing it's something it's it's kind of fun to watch. Now I'm gonna. Well, ask I wonder you this, what will Maddie. happen next year when John Lovett's back and Blake Bell's here. Which quarterback transfer is KC's Chiefs Kingdom gonna prefer more? They're gonna put they're gonna put Blake Bell. They're gonna put John Lovett and Patrick Mahomes in the backfield at the same time. And and they're gonna like hand the ball f- off to all all three of them are gonna touch it and one of them's gonna throw it and then have Travis Kelsey throw the ball. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I like it. Um. Okay. Maddie, Blake Bell, Dion Yelder, or Demetrius Harris. Go. Demetrius Harris. It's not even closer, man. I actually think you're right. <laughs> I know. I know he's the whipping boy, but. Dude, Demetrius Harris was a sneaky, decent tight end, too, even though he couldn't catch. He was a fantastic tight end, too, because if you put Demetrius Harris on the field, you could not take your thumping linebacker and have him stick to him in coverage when he went vertically. Whether he was going to catch true. the ball was 50-50, except when the game was on the line. The game's on the line. Harris is coming down with it. But yeah. you put the ball in his that- chest, questionable. <laughs> I like how that works. Okay, the last storyline on the offensive side of the ball is a guy that's not really gotten a ton of buzz until this week. Sounds like Marcus Kemp has really had a strong week coming off of the week one preseason game. Uh, He's getting a little bit of run, getting a little bit of attention this week. Uh, Maddie, are you buying the Marcus Kemp hype train? It depends on kind of what we're talking about with the hype train. Do I think Marcus Kemp has a very good shot to make this team? Absolutely. He's a great blocker. He's been around for a couple years. I think you can see that he understands multiple wide receiver positions. If there's an injury, if he has to step in for anybody, he can do it. And they love him on special teams. Dave Tobe is a huge Marcus Kemp fan. So as far as making the team, I think it's going to happen. As a receiver, this is just more of the same Marcus Kemp that I see every single year. He makes flashy plays at camp. He looks good in camp, and then you just get into games, whether it's preseason or regular season, and he just he doesn't look like a guy that's ready to contribute as a receiver. He doesn't particularly change directions well. His routes during the games are okay, but not good enough to make up for the average athleticism. And any play he makes is simply just a scheme-dependent play that gets him open off a pick route or on a wide receiver screen, which anybody can do. So as a contributor, I am off that train very much so. 
Yeah, and I, I, you, you kind of nailed it there. I think he's pretty linear. Like, I don't think he's got a guy that's going to be able to change directions particularly quick. I don't think he's really going to be able to create consistent separation. Uh, I, I think he's just kind of a, you know, uh, he's pretty linear when I watch him. I haven't really, you know, been overly impressed with him. He's got a big catch radius. He's made some good plays, high pointing footballs. I just don't see a path to production for him as a receiver. Dave Tope clearly loves him, uh, obviously. So that is what's going to be his opportunity to make this football team. I just really hope it's not at the expense of, you know, a guy with some upside as a receiver, like our dear pal Cody Thompson, Maddie. Well, yeah, and that's something I kind of wrote about this week. And I understand why coaches want Marcus Kemp on their team. For your last sure. wide receiver to understand every wide receiver position and to be a major player on special teams and to do something that a lot of wide receivers don't like to do, such as block really well. Like, I understand why a coach wants him on the team. It's just his development as a route runner, I haven't seen it in a game. It sounds like at camp he's putting some of our cornerbacks through a blender, but at this point in time, who isn't? And it's not really to downplay our cornerback play. It's just every wide receiver is making plays against these cornerbacks. Marcus Kemp is no exception. I want to see it in a game with all the pads on and everything's on the line, and I just want to see it not on a wide-open pick route where he just runs across underneath the defense. Sure, absolutely. And, I mean, I think, you know, the bottom of the roster, you know, at the at the wide receiver spot, it's going to be interesting to see kind of, you know, the next few games, who rises to the top in these game situations. And, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing, you know, Kemp, Thompson, uh, Byron Pringle, although I think he's pretty secure. Uh, I'm, I don't know about Garrick Dieter. I don't know if he's going to make this football team, honestly. Uh, okay, Maddie, I want to go ahead and let's both give uh, a couple or a player to watch on the offensive side of the ball that you're, you know, maybe really looking forward to, to keeping an eye on. I'll start. I really want to see Nick Allegretti. Uh, I want to continue to see how he's developing, how he's growing. It seems like he's getting a lot of positive reviews out there in training camp. I watched a little bit uh, last night or two nights ago, and I I think he's got some promise. I do. I think he's a guy that you know they really could develop into a, a solid interior offensive lineman, and uh, he's kind of a guy that I, I've got my eye on for this week and moving forward because you know maybe he's helping them alleviate some contractual issues down the road with maybe a guy like LDT someday. So that's a guy that I want to continue to see grow. Yeah, and I do want to see him. I'm excited to see him. I think he had a couple issues with his balance in that first game, and that's something that did kind of stick out to me on his college film. Not that he was terribly unbalanced like a Cam Irving, but there's just some times where he ends up on the ground where he shouldn't. Now, I do like that they're moving him around the offensive line a little bit. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how he plays. It seems like he's getting moved up the depth chart every time I see it. So, yeah, this is a guy that I definitely want to see pave the way. And the guy I'm watching, I want to see Carlos Hyde. And super excited to watch Carlos Hyde play maybe a stretch. He's a little <laughs> – he's not the most dynamic or exciting player, and I get that, and I understand that's why a lot of Chiefs fans aren't a huge fan of Carlos Hyde. Like, I 100% get it. But I want to see him given an opportunity to do something besides run the ball from the one-yard line before we can try to make any kind of judgment on what kind of player he is. He was given two carries in the game, and then every other play was him just leaking out to the flat. 
Like, let's see him do something. Let's see if the ire or the appreciation for him is deserved one way or the other. Maybe he gets a first or second down carry where the defense isn't loading up to stop the run. So we can see if there's a little bit of burst in there. We are going to take a break. We'll be back to preview the defensive side of the football for the Chiefs-Steelers game. All right, let's transition over to the defensive side of the football, give you three storylines for Chiefs-Steelers in week two of the preseason. Maddie, I know you are tuned in to see the pass rush, specifically the guys that are going to make this football team. Yeah, absolutely. I even want to see the second string guys and the third string guys because I was a little underwhelmed with the pass rush last week, and I understand the Chiefs are missing their best outside rushers, and it was preseason game one. But that was against a very poor offensive line, a very poor starting offensive line. The Steelers' offensive line is much better, assuming a lot of their starters play. I just want to see the Chiefs generate pressure more consistently. It took pretty much until the Bengals were trying to run a two-minute offense with deeper dropbacks before the Chiefs got really any pressure off the ends. I want to see an improvement from there. This defensive line is going to have to help carry this pass defense against the pass. It's going to be the safeties in the pass rush that are making the biggest difference. I feel good about the safety play. We haven't got to see the pass rush yet, but I didn't feel great about watching Breland Speaks, Tano Passanio, Colin Saunders, or any of these other guys rushing the passer last week. The best pass rushers on the team were Jeremiah Tauchu and Rob McRae, defensive end, playing in the third and fourth quarters. Maddie, I want to stop there and ask you this question because I think some people are going to hear that and say, Tano Passanio and Breland Speaks both got sacks. And so... I want to. I want you to maybe explain a little bit further on those two specifically. Why you might be uh, a little bit more hesitant about their ability as pass rushers. So both of them got sacks on the final drive of the first half by the Bengals, where everybody knew that they were throwing the ball. So the pass rushers got to pin their ears back from the very first step. Both players won kind of with their signature pass rush move. And by signature, I don't mean like the one they're most known for. I mean their only pass rush move. Tomo had a rip with a little bit of a bend. It's the only way he ever gets home when he's blocked. And Breland Speaks had his patented two-hand swat. Those are kind of their only moves that either one of them have. I'm glad that they have them. They're good pass rush moves to have, but you got to have a more diverse pass rush plan. you got to be able to win multiple ways. I didn't see either one of them even attempt a successful pass rush plan outside of those two plays. One pressure on that many snaps. Well, K-Pass did have another one where he was unblocked. I think Speaks may have gotten close when he was playing D-tackle on the inside where he should always be. But I just mean, when you're rushing, you can't get only one pressure the entire game when you're getting blocked by an offensive tackle. I just want to see improvement. Frank Clark, Alex Okafor are going to bring that, Emmanuel Ogba. I just want to see the second-level pass rusher show up and give me a reason to be excited if Frank Clark has to step off the field to catch a break. And uh, I'll, I'll, we're going to talk about Breland more here in a second. Uh, if you look at Speaks and go back and watch last year's tape, it is the same move every time he's coming off the edge. It is that two-hand swipe that he had success with with the sack. I totally get what Maddie's saying, uh, and I, it's true. And we'll, we'll talk about Breland in a second here, but I mean, he's got to develop if he's gonna if he's gonna hold up 
outside, he's got to have more than just that. He's got to have a better plan as a pass rusher. He's got to have more tools in his tool belt if he wants to have success because it became very predictable. Go back and watch last year's tape, and everyone knew what move was coming. Uh, and let's go ahead and just jump to Speaks right here. We have been talking a lot about Speaks inside, Speaks outside. Uh, he spoke this week. It sounds like he admitted to having a little bit too much fun this offseason and maybe coming in a little fluffy. Uh, he looks more like an interior to defensive lineman. I think we might get a little bit more clarity on his role this year. Uh, maybe we see him a little bit more inside in week two, Maddie. I hope so. He looks good as a player prototype on the inside. He looks like a pass rushing defensive tackle. He's got a decent first step. His hands have a lot of power when they first connect. I think he definitely needs to get stronger in the lower body if he's going to be on the inside almost full time, but he looks like a defensive tackle. And like, I do want to take a step back. I'm not saying that the Chiefs pass rush is bad. I'm just saying the two guys that were playing last week didn't show me a lot. I think that it's going to be better. I like Breland Speaks, even Tano Passanio rotating in as pure pass rushers if they're on the inside. I think I want to see Breland Speaks do that more often because he looks really good there. Passanio's a little bit more up in the air because his body frame doesn't fit. But if Breland Speaks is a third down pass rusher as a defensive tackle, I think the Chiefs are in a good spot. I totally agree. Um, and so like, I think we're just kind of wanting to see if we get a little bit more clarity on Breland Speaks. I do think I, – I totally agree. I like him better inside. I think there's there's more of a path to a productive rookie contract for Breland Speaks if he can wind up playing more inside than off the edge. He does look out of place when he's playing as an end, and that's only going to become more obvious as the season goes on. And I just hope we don't have to spend too much time this season talking about why is Breland Speaks playing off the edge. I hope we see yeah. maybe a hint of – some more reps playing inside. I think that would be important. The, the Oh, did you have more, Maddie? Sorry. Yeah, no. Just speaking of Breland Speaks comments this week, what do you think about him calling Bob Sutton's defense very scheme-based? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to... I didn't know what to take away from that. Like, I was, I was kind of perplexed. <laughs> and I don't know, like... I don't know, Maddie. Like, I it, it didn't make sense to me. I I I I heard that. I was like, huh? And yeah, everyone's kind of taking note of it. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense because Bob was so bad. I'm like, well, wait a second. You got to back up here. Bob Sutton's defenses have only been good when he's had stars, literal stars at all levels playing at the same time. How is that scheme based? Nothing about I don't Bob understand Sutton's it. defense was scheme based. It was if my players are better than yours, I'm gonna let them be better than your players. Right. I'm gonna be super predictable with my scheme because my players are doing well so well. Like the fact that Breland Speaks thinks that Bob Sutton's defense is very scheme based and Steve Spagnuolo's isn't is very interesting to me. It's very telling because I feel like they might be asking Speaks to do more up front, especially playing inside and outside. So like, what does that mean? I I don't like. I know we talked a lot about how the linebackers were playing, you know, some weird techniques, you know, last year trying to read leverage of blocks. Um, were they asking Speaks to do something off the edge that was just making him play slow? Like, what does that mean? I don't think that you could really say anything makes Speaks play slow. I think he just <laughs> is slow, and it's not offense to him. It's just that's I, who he is. Yeah. 
No, I get what I, you're saying. I know. Maybe he was being asked to do a little bit more than he is right now. But at the same time, the defense as a whole right now is a lot more scheme dependent than what Bob Sutton's was. This defense That's why it's confusing. <laughs> is going to be better because the scheme is better and because some players improved. But Bob Sutton's defense, I don't think, has ever been confused for this grand scheme masterminding defense. It's been Justin Houston and Tom Bahali making every quarterback feel miserable. Derek Johnson covering two-thirds of the world that's not covered by land. And Eric Berry and Marcus Peters in the back. The last storyline that we want to talk about on the defensive side of the football is Charvarius Ward. And I know we've talked a lot about Charvarius Ward a lot this offseason and a lot even early on in the preseason. Uh, And there's a reason why. It's because I think Charvarius Ward was what a lot of people thought was the reason to be optimistic about what could be happening at the cornerback position. And I think a lot of people view Charvarius Ward as a guy that is expected to take a step to to grow, to develop, and to be a key piece in this defense. And they need him, frankly, Maddie, to be a key piece in this defense, especially the first four weeks of this off of of the season. And so, I'm really paying attention to how Charvarius Ward looks against a very good receiving core. Yeah, and you're just, with this whole setup here, you're just further driving home the fact that Craig is going to be everybody's favorite Nerd Squad member because you're giving us all these defensive players that we're bashing to talk about here because Charvarius <laughs> Ward it's, has not been good. I do not think he's a very good fit for this scheme. I think you saw that in the first preseason week, and I know that's not a real good way to judge. You can go back to last year. He just doesn't look as comfortable when he's playing off coverage, having to read a receiver in front of him and change directions quickly, which is essentially what he's doing almost every snap right now with the Chiefs defense. That's not in his wheelhouse. So like Kent said, I'm pretty sure he was the reason that a lot of fans felt optimistic about the Chiefs cornerback group because they saw the PFF grade for the playoffs or they saw him be in position against Seattle. But he's in a different defensive scheme now that is not like aligned with his strengths near as much as it was last year. And I think you're going to keep seeing that show up, especially against a better wide receiver group like the Steelers have. I hope they put James Washington on him. I feel like that's a perfect matchup for him, just turn and run vertically because that's all he's doing anyway. But if they put Juju out there or Deontay Johnson, like it could be a very interesting battle because Ward just simply does not match up with guys that have that quick change of direction when he's playing off coverage like he's going to be. It could be a bloodbath or he's going to make a huge step and give us a reason to be optimistic again. Yeah, and and you know, I, I know we... I, I'm, we're talking about storylines that might be perceived as negative. Like I just, my whole thing is I want this team to win a Super Bowl, <laughs> And so these are the things that are on my mind. I know that Frank Clark's good at football. I know, I know that, you know, uh, Chris Jones is good at football. I, I know what to expect from those guys. I'm looking at the things that are in the way of the chiefs reaching their potential and beating whoever they play in the AFC Championship game and taking that next step to the Super Bowl. So I, what keeps me up at night and what probably keeps the personnel department up at night is probably the cornerback position. Oh, it's fact, 100% the cornerback position. Right. And so, like, you know, I don't think... I don't think the, the Chiefs personnel department is, like, overly optimistic about every position that they have either. 
I think that they're concerned at corner, which is why Morris Claiborne got signed last week. So I think I if want- you read between the lines of some of the assistant coaches too, they're kind of at the point to where they still think that Charvarius Ward needs to not even take a step, but they think he's still like attempting to develop. Like he's still trying to put it together as a professional football player. They recognize there's potential there, but they don't seem to sound like they think he's ready either, which definitely aligns with what I think we're seeing when we watch him play and just kind of why we don't feel comfortable about him. But we could have stayed positive. We could have talked about Bashad Breland. I feel much better about him than I do Charvarius Ward-Kent. I I do too. I I liked what I saw from Bashad Breland last week. Like he actually, I, I, I liked what I saw. It sounds like actually Andy Reid talked about with Bashad Breland, uh, the play that he got beat. He actually didn't get beat. He was covering up for someone else's mistake. I think we're guessing Armani Watts based on, on the coverage and, and what, what happened on that play. It looked like Bashad Breland actually bailed out Armani Watts. So, you know, good play by him. I mean, there, there's some sunshine at the cornerback position, I guess. I think Kendall Fuller looked better. I maybe we let's see let's see Kendall Fuller continue to be better than he you know like last week was good. Uh, let's or better. Let's see him take a step again this week. Maybe there there's some there's some cornerback positivity, but uh, I think you know like I think Chiefs fans I think you should be paying attention to the cornerback position. The one thing that is keeping this team from running through everyone is the cornerback position. It's probably it is the weak link on this defense, and if it's better. And if it improves, and if these guys play above their expectations, they're going to win the Super Bowl, and they're going to win like 15 games in the regular season. Yeah, if they get play that equals what a lot of fans thought Charvarius Ward was going to be this year from anybody, Charvarius Ward or somebody else, they are very much going to be in contention to win the Super Bowl and or win 15, 16 games. I just have to, I need someone to do it, and I don't know who's going to step up to be that true number one corner caliber person. I don't expect anyone to, but if they can get a couple cornerback two, cornerback three type guys out there at once, I feel a lot better about the team. I'm just not sure Traverius Ward is going to be that guy this year, especially in this system. But, and I said this, I, I was talking to someone the other day, like Traverius Ward still has value to this football team, even if he doesn't develop into a, a starting caliber corner because he is a very good special teamer and he's still got some capabilities at the cornerback position. The Chiefs won the trade already. Anything Charvarius Ward gives you from a contributor standpoint is gravy. Uh, because he's got value. It just may not be as a top-shelf starting corner or a good starting corner. We'll find out. Hopefully, he develops because that would be a huge win for this organization, a cost-controlled, uh, cheap cornerback that they can rely on next year because it's getting dicier next year. Bashad or they Breland, identify Kendall. that he will not pan out and they make a move sooner rather than later. One way or the yeah. other. Yeah. This gets some clarity. But, I mean, the Chiefs the Chiefs have three free agent cornerbacks and all three of the cornerbacks that they could have starting in week five might be free agents next year. So just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind moving forward. You want Ward to develop. We want Ward to grow and be this guy, but we need to see more. We need to start seeing some steps taken starting this week in Pittsburgh. Maddie, give me one player on defense to watch. Well, I wanted to choose Frank Clark, but Kent said, no, we can't choose Frank Clark because he's too good at football. So instead, 
They're going to be watching his running mate, Alex Okafor. I hope he plays. It sounds like he finally got back to practice, and I don't know how much he'll play. But if he plays, I do want to see him out there. It really does sound like he's given Mitchell Schwartz his run for his money when he's out there, which is a good sign. Mitchell Schwartz is a fantastic football player. I think the Chiefs have higher expectations for Okafor, and I think a lot of fans do just based on what it seems like coming out of the camp, what it seems like coming from coaches. He's a good, solid player that I think is going to surprise some people with his ability as a pass rusher and as a run defender. So I just want to see him get out there on the field. I want him to show that there is a little more upside than I think what his contract tells fans at first glance. Right, yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's had a really good offseason. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Also, I don't think we really saw Emmanuel Ogba last week nope. either. So if we see Emmanuel Ogba this week, that'd be kind of fun too because you know you kind of get to see the uh, the the rotation, what the rotation is going to start looking like on on the on the front. My guy is another guy who's going to wind up being in that rotation potentially on this front. Colin Saunders. Uh, we didn't get to see much of him uh, in week one. It was a little bit underwhelming. It's kind of expected. This is a guy that's transitioning from you know the FCS level to uh, to to the big boys. So. Let's see him take some steps. Let's see him be a little bit more active, maybe disrupt a play or two. Kind of curious to see where he lines up and when he finally gets his first opportunity to play, too. That's something I want to keep an eye on as well. Maybe indicate how far along the Chiefs might think he is if they want to give him some opportunities in the first half. That'd be really cool. It'd be a good thing to see for his kind of development. Matt, do you got any other comments before we close this thing up? No, I just want to see Colin Saunders show me some flashes. I don't need consistent play. Just show some flashes because I don't think we really saw any in the first game. Just give me a couple senior bowl level highlights that we saw in person or on TV when we were watching the practices or the game there, and I'll be happy. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and he's he's such a fun prospect. Uh, he was really fun to watch in the senior bowl. I just want to see a little bit from him. Let's let's see that developmental uh, developmental process kicked off with a, with a, pl- a splash play here or two next week. That's going to do it for this show. Kent and I will be back Saturday evening to give you guys the post game show of the Chiefs and the Steelers. So tune in. Uh, thank you for listening to our Steelers Chiefs pregame or preview show, and uh, we'll catch you later. <laughs>